0: We must try the tea. It's very good. Indian, of course. We may be at war with them, but there's no point in overreacting. The tea's the best. Forgive me. Mr. Garrett, isn't it? Yes, National Geographic is always welcome. They're the only Westerners who ever come to Pakistan without wanting to conquer something. The Colonel's angry. Only 25% of his medical supplies are on board. And three days late. Look at this place. I've been here six years, lost over 800 men, not one of them to the enemy. I I, don't understand the chopper was full of stuff. Not for my men, Mr. Garrett. For wealthy Americans who can pay two or three million dollars for climbing permits. Elliot Vaughan, the entrepreneur. He's brought about 40 people in with him. He's taken a crack at K2. I've been seconded to his team. Seconded or sold? That's probably a question only a general in Islamabad can answer. Three o'clock. Time to wake up the Indians.
1: To the main event. Open up with that clip from the movie uh, *Vertical Limit*. Kind of give you guys a little idea about what happens between Pakistan and India. What's going on over there? And uh, in that in that scene, he's saying, uh, "Hey, you know, all these people come to Pakistan, and they just want to they just want to spend two or three million dollars to try and climb K2." And then he says. He says, uh, hey, it's three o'clock. It's time to wake up the Indians. And they fire a bunch of, uh, of guns towards uh, the Indian border. And, uh, you know, it's and if you remember correctly, I don't know, it was uh, nine years ago, some place in Pakistan called Islamabad or was it Badabad or one of those little Abad, uh towns? Uh, that our friends, the Pakistanis, we found out were uh, were harboring uh, some guy that uh, what was his name? Uh, Osama something? Osama bin Laden. And uh, you know, when we when we talk about what happened in India today, this will all start to make sense, and I'll explain it all then. That song I I used was uh, "Between the Laugh and the Tear," John Cougar Mellencamp. Uh, kind of kind of uh, you know, this was probably written in the '80s. And I and I I listen to it. I go, hey, you know, it the, the lyrics say, when the paradise is no longer fit for you to li- when paradise is no longer fit for you to live in, and your adolescent adolescent dreams are gone. Through the days, you feel a little used up, and you don't know where your energy's gone wrong. It's just your soul feeling a little downhearted. Sometimes life is too ridiculous to live. You count your friends all on one finger. I know it's crazy, but it's just it's just the way that we live. So anyway, I thought. I thought that's kind of where uh, we all are, and, uh, you know, it says between the laugh and the tear, smile in the mirror as you walk by between the laugh and the tear, and that's as good as it can get for us, and there ain't no reason to stop trying. You know, what? I try to look at what's happening in the world, and as we, as some of us are getting close to the twilight in our lives, and, uh, you know, and what's more important to us now is what goes on in our country and what it means to our kids and what it means to our grandkids. And we have a different, we have a different kind of a, of a, uh, of a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A different focus other than what do I make the most money for me? What's going to be the most fun for me? It's, we're in a different, we're in a different place in our lives. And some of the young kids today probably don't understand that. Some of the people that haven't haven't really done anything with their lives don't understand that you know they're going ah you know uh, uh I just wanna I just wanna smoke weed and leave me alone and uh, don't bother me with these uh, laws and these rules or uh, hey you know what I'm I'm working I'm working full time I'm flipping hamburgers at McDonald's I should be able to pay my bills and they don't and they just haven't got that same vision of where we were when we were young of of where a lot of us were when we were young and today today we're um, we're in our upper years and we're, and we're saying, Hey, what did I do with my life? And what was the product of my life? And some people don't have that to look back on. They go, Oh, maybe it's time I grow up. I, you know, I just turned, uh, I just turned 50 or I just turned 48 or I just turned 40. Maybe it's time to start thinking about, uh, my future. It's kind of, it's kind of sad for some people, but you know what? It's never too late to start. Never too late to start. So anyway, uh, I'm going to talk about everything that went on this week and try to make it seem uh, crystal clear as to uh, uh, what we really saw and what it really means for those of you who don't have time to watch the news and to uh, to think about it and ponder it and discuss it. Um, I saw it. I thought about it. I pondered it. I talked about about it with people, and this is going to be my version of clarity on the United States for this week. But first, before I go any further, let me introduce myself. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Ed Hoffman uh, with Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and as you see the stock market dropping this past week, you know that it's going to bounce back at some point, but it's part of the coronavirus and it's part of the the Democrats are, uh, are pushing a socialist into the presidential race. Um, there's probably a lot of reasons, but primarily I think it's the coronavirus and everybody's fear of of what it's gonna turn into. Um but as the as the stock market drops, the bond market price the bond prices go up, which makes the interest rates go down. So if you've been thinking about it, him and in Han and wondering, hey, should I refinance my house? Should I maybe consider buying a house? Should I maybe, mm, uh -uh. I talked to these guys and it sounded pretty good, but eh, I'm going to wait till summer. You know what? Don't wait any longer. Call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. And let's find out what you're thinking about and let's seize the moment because I don't know how long this is going to last, but the interest rates are. Really, really, really good. And what does that mean to you if you're buying a house? Hey, for the same payment, you can buy maybe ten or twenty thousand dollars more house. Or if you're refinancing, maybe that drops your payment from where you thought it was going to be to maybe thirty or fifty or a hundred dollars lower. Or if you're uh, if you're getting a reverse mortgage, if you're over sixty-two, the lower the rates go, the more money you get out of your house, the more money c- becomes available. Because once we do your loan application, uh, you're locked in at that rate. Unless it goes down before we before we draw docs. If it goes up, you're locked in. If it doesn't, if it doesn't go, but if it goes down, you get you get the bet whichever the better rate is when we started or when we draw docs um, at that at that time. So the lower the rate, the more money you get, the more ac- money to ac- access you have, um, or your your interest rates just locked in lower. So and most of them are adjustable rates. So it's really just setting the amount of cash you have available. So and maybe you don't need any cash. But we pay off your house, and you've got a hundred thousand dollars of cash available if you need it. And if you don't need it for the next five or ten years, that money grows, grows until you do need it, and then and when you get it, you don't have to make payments on that either, and you never have to uh, uh, you don't have to make payments, and you don't have to uh, pay it back until uh, you pass your property onto your heirs. Then they can decide what to do with it. Anyway, if you're interested in finding out more information, call me 855-640-2020. Or if you don't want to talk, you just want to kind of cyber me. Hey, you're hearing me and you go, hey, I don't have time to call him, but I'm going to shoot him a thing. Go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Uh, click the arrow down just a little tiny bit, you'll see a Summit Funding logo. Click on it. It doesn't say click here. Just click on it. It'll take you to my lending page. You can put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll either hear back from myself or one of my talented team- teammates, Eric Marquez, Aaron Fredericks, Cody Bradbury, or Brian Goodman, and we will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Um, if you hear something on the show that you want repeated, also on edhoffman.net, you can click on the podcast page, hear this show as well as several past shows, and you can uh, listen to them on demand, download them for free, and uh, and you can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or, and iTunes. Or iTunes, where you can actually uh, h- uh, subscribe to it, have it automatically download to your uh, your iPhone or your iWatch or your iPad or your iPod or your mini pad or your maxi pad, or your puppy pad, your computer, anything that you can listen to podcasts on and uh, listen to it on demand It'll, when we upload it on Friday afternoons. It'll upload, you know, you can start, you can download it then, or you can wait till it comes on the radio on Saturday or Sunday. Um, whichever you want, or listen to it the next week, whatever uh, whatever your thing is. Um, stay stay informed. Um, the Facebook page for uh, the show is facebook.com slash Hoffman, and follow me on Twitter at, uh, at Ed Hoffman, where I tweet about current events all week long. Um, I think that's all I have to say before I start into what's happening in America and actually in the world. So let's talk about India, where I uh, brought up that scene from Vertical Limit. The media is shrugging off President Trump's first state visit to uh, India, calling it a failure because no major economic agreements were reached between him and Indian Prime Minister Modi. Um, But is that the real reason they're so dismissive, or is it because Trump received a warm welcome for more than 110,000 Indians who packed the world's largest cricket stadium just to hear him speak Oh oh wait 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 it's 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 the other kind of cricket not that let's play the It was the biggest crowd for a Trump event ever. 100,000 people at a cricket stadium in Western India, applauding President Trump as he praised the U.S.-India relationship.
0: I have come here to India in the spirit of fondness and goodwill to expand our cherished partnership of incredible power and potential. And I am optimistic that working together the Prime Minister and I can reach a fantastic deal that's
1: good and even great for both of our countries. You know, it's it's uh it's peculiar that uh three and a half years ago when uh Trump was elected, um my Democrat sister Renee in in Philadelphia texts me and says, Well, we're stuck with a president who has absolutely no foreign policy experience. And uh and I say, well, what do we just get out of? So anyway, I said, hey, he's done business overseas. He's dealt with international, international business stuff. I'm sure he'll, he'll find a way to make this work. And it seems to be everywhere he goes, he gets a warm welcome everywhere. Is that because he's the, he's the ruler of the free world? He's the president of the United States, the, the largest, most powerful economy, the largest, most powerful military? Is it, is it that automatic respect? I don't think so. I don't think so because we didn't see that kind of response for President Obama when he was in there. Trump just seems Trump has established himself as as being tough, as being firm. He's not going to let people step on us. He's not going to let people take advantage of the United States. And he's I can guarantee you China doesn't want him to get reelected and probably uh, Russia doesn't want him to get reelected. I'm sure most all the other countries would just prefer to have a kinder, gentler Kind of United States out there, so they don't have to pay their share, and they don't have to. They can just take advantage of us any way we can because we just want to be friends. We don't care if if uh, if we're being a doormat. We just want to be friends. If you just come over and say hi and tell us you love us, we're happy to let us let you step on us and take advantage of us and screw the American people, and that's not Trump. So uh, but it sounds like progress was made on the economic front at the rally. Trump announced a three billion dollar deal that will send state of the art military military helicopters to India. Now, think about that. Think about that. They're right next door to Pakistan. And think about the scene that I opened up with. Hey, it's time to time to uh, wake the Indians up. And they fire a bunch of uh, big, powerful tank uh, mortars in in there. Um, They live right next door to Pakistan. And I think Pakistan and India are both uh, nuclear powers. I'm not positive on that. I know Pakistan is. But think about that. They live right next door to them, and they're constantly fighting and say, well, Pakistan's our friend and India's our friend. Well, is Pakistan really our friend? Because somehow uh, Osama bin Laden snuck over the border from Afghanistan into Pakistan, and he was there for several years, and they never said anything about it. Hmm, what's wrong with that? You know, what? if it looks like a duck and it waddles like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. And it's time for us to start stop saying, well, you know, Pakistan is our is our ally. Because if they're not, they're not. Hello. So anyway, that's that's my that's my observation. The joint statement released Tuesday seems to point to a fate to a phase one trade deal in the near future. And the leaders discuss ways to help keep China's telecom giant Huawei out of India's 5K infrastructure. Sounds like things went pretty well. I believe that the
0: United States should be India's premier defense partner, and that's the way it's working out. Together we will defend our sovereignty, security, and protect a free and open Indo-Pacific region for our children and for
1: many, many generations to come. And isn't that what what the president is supposed to do? He's not supposed to just, hey, let's just get a good party going on and let's go over there and have them feed us dinner and love us and tell us we're great and then uh, walk away and, hey, we're screwed. Uh, in the Hey, you know, look at what we got. Look at what we got uh, from the United States. They think we're their friends, and meanwhile, we're just sending terrorists over there and we're doing this and doing that and we're screwing them on trade. And uh, Trump is not that. And I know a lot of people don't like Trump because he – he says things that aren't don't sound very politically correct and all that stuff, but you know what? I didn't we didn't elect him to date our daughters. We didn't elect him to be the pastor of our churches. We didn't ask him to be our rabbis. We didn't you know, hey, let's get something done. Let's get something done that works for for today and into the future for our country. So, anyway, that's uh, that's the way I see it. Then there's the matter of India's struggle to stop Hindus and Muslims from killing each other. Most recently, a riot in New Delhi this week uh, ended with 38 people dead. Of course, the media is portraying it as the as if this was all pr- Prime Minister Modi and his anti and he's anti-Muslim, and the Muslims, many of whom are immigrants from Bangladesh, where most people don't know where that is. but they know there was a concert there in the 60s, and George Harrison saying, "My sweet Lord." But uh, but the you know the immigrants are the only victims. It's interesting to hear a hundred thousand Indians cheering when Trump said this.
0: The United States and India are also firmly united in our ironclad resolve to defend our citizens from the threat of radical Islamic terrorism. Both of our countries have been hurt by the pain and turmoil of terrorism and that terrorism brings under my administration we unleashed the full power of the american military on bloodthirsty killers of isis in iraq and in syria today the isis territorial caliphate has been 100 percent destroyed And the monster known as al-Baghdadi, the founder and leader of ISIS, is dead. In the United States, we have also made clear that while our country will always welcome newcomers who share our values and love our people, our borders will always be closed to terrorists and terrorism and to any form of extremism. That is why we have taken historic steps to improve screening and vetting of applications for entry. And we are working to ensure that anyone who threatens the security of our citizens is denied admission and will pay a very, very big, costly price. Every nation has the right to secure and controlled borders. The United States and India are committed to working together to stop terrorists and to fight their ideology.
1: Yeah, I think that's uh that sounds like a pretty successful trip. And it sounds like he got a pretty warm welcome from the the Indian people and I had someone who uh, walked in on our uh are going over our uh, script saying, "Hey, I think it's—I think the proper way to say it is says indigenous people." And I said, "These are these are Indians dot, not Indians feathers. So um, these are uh, people in this in the country of India, not not Native Americans." So anyway, um, I think uh, I think it just angers the Democrats to see President Trump going over there and have and being so successful and being so, uh, so, uh, warmly welcomed in other countries because what else are they going to run on? The economy is good. Uh, our military is good. The border wall is going up. The, uh, our relations with other countries. Oh yeah, but we're putting so much money into the farmers to, to subsidize some, t- some trade war that, uh, Trump got into. Hey, Trump is looking past the end of his nose and saying, Hey, the, and if you look at at there's actually a video of him on the Oprah show in 1986 saying China's taking advantage of us and no one is no one is doing anything about it. 1986, 30 years later, he had to run to, for president so he could deal with it. And uh, this will be a one time. Hey, at, at some point, it's all going to be good and everything's going to be on the even keel. And our kids and grandkids and great grandkids. We'll have a much better economy and a much better country to live in as a result. So anyway, let's talk about the other thing everyone's talking about, the coronavirus. COVID-19, it sparked a global panic with 73,000 cases all around the world and growing. And although there are only 15 confirmed cases in the United States, as of this week, the Trump administration began intervening early. You'd never know it from listening to Democrats, of course. More, more on it in that in a minute, but just look at the timeline. January 31st, the administration's first response was to ban entry into to foreign nationals who visited China in the 14 days prior to their arrival in the United States. Uh, restruct, rest, restrictions also apply to American citizens who have been in China, uh, Hubei, Hubei, Hubei province, where, uh, where uh, Wuhan is. Uh, where the virus originated in the two weeks prior to their return to the United States. Upon their return, those citizens will be subject to mandatory health and human services quarantine of up to 14 days. U S citizens returning uh, from the rest of the mainland China uh, in the 14 days prior prior now have to undergo health screenings at selected ports of entry and face up to 14 days of self monitored quarantine. Well, I don't know that I'm okay with that self monitoring thing, um, not exactly what China does. China locked down everybody. Hey, you're not going to work. You're not coming out of your house till we get this thing under control and they shut down basically business in, in those cities. We're going to do self-monitoring, which means, hey, you know, you got to stay in your house and you got to monitor this, monitor that. And they're going to go, well, no one's going to know if I just run over to McDonald's for a couple of Big Macs. And of course, before you know, before you have the symptoms, you're probably carrying it and uh, people just don't care. People don't care because, you know, it's different for them. It should be a quarantine for everybody else. Um, Some of the news outlets uh, would give positive coverage when the government intervenes in a public health crisis, but not CNN. CNN headlines. What's spreading faster than coronavirus in the United States? Racist assaults and ignorant attacks against Asians. Stupid. Uh, Coronavirus task force. Another example of Trump administration's lack of diversity. Idiotic. Uh, a new virus stirs up ancient, ancient hatred. Unbelievable. Meanwhile, Trump administration requesting $2.5 billion from Congress to address coronavirus. But that's not enough for the Democrats. Of course not. The Trump
0: administration has been caught flat-footed. The administration has no plan to deal with the coronavirus. No plan. And seemingly no urgency to develop one.
1: Well, to which Trump, while still in India, responded...
0: I see that uh, Chuck Schumer criticized that he thought it should be more. And if I gave more, he'd say it should be less. It's automatic, you know, with these characters.
1: Yeah, well, when, uh, uh, you know, what else, what else would they say? No matter what he does, he's going to cure cancer singly by himself, and they're going to criticize him for it. Oh, look at all the great cancer jobs that he just got rid of. When the president arrived back at the White House, he held a press conference in the briefing room. One of the first questions he took was in regard to the travel ban. Now that more cases are being found in the U.S., uh, would he lift it? Uh, I'd say no. At what point would
2: you be considering
0: uh, loosen the travel restrictions regarding When we're uh, at a point where we don't have a problem. We're not going to loosen the travel restrictions. That's what saved us. Had I not made a decision very early on not to take people from a certain area, we wouldn't be talking this way. We'd be talking about many more people would have been infected. I was criticized by the Democrats. They called me a racist because I made that decision, if you can believe that one.
1: Yeah, I think job number one of the president of the United States is to protect the American people, and you know what? If you're a Chinese American and you go back to visit your family, you have to understand what's going on. You have to be, uh, you have to be tolerant of this because you understand what's going on, and it's for our country. All week, the media has tried to create the illusion of disagreement between Trump and the Centers for Dis- Disease Control. Kind of hard to do while representatives from the CDC working with the White House on coronavirus were standing right behind him. But one reporter still tried.
0: Have you seen evidence that the CDC is trying to hurt you? That no, I don't think officials? the CDC is at all. No, they've been they've been working really well together. They really are. They're professional. I think they're beyond that. They want this to go away. They want to do it with as little disruption and, and they don't want to lose life. I see the way they're working. They're this channel, these people behind me and others that are in the other room uh they're incredible people no i don't see that at all
1: hey i'm all out of time for this uh, half of the main event stay tuned for five minutes traffic weather commercials and sports and i'll be right back with more of what's going on don't go away Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I don't talk a lot about real estate and finance on the radio because if you're not in the market, let me rephrase that. If you don't know you're in the market, you may not find it interesting to listen to. A lot of you guys are probably in the market. You just haven't realized it because you don't realize, you know, you got that loan. Well, I've only got 10 years left on my loan. Of course, it's at 6.75. Maybe you should uh, look into a 10-year loan. And uh, lower your interest rate and see uh, if that saves you some money. Maybe you should look into a 15-year loan. Maybe you should uh, go back to a 30 and save the money. Or maybe you should, uh, if you're over 62, you should check out one of those reverse mortgage things. And uh, if you've got a little bit more life left in your life, then you have money uh, and you want to uh, maybe make it a little bit easier to deal with. Uh, Call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time day or night toll free area code 855-640-2020. Call and talk to someone who thinks like you Uh, or go to edhoffman.net Click on the Summit Funding logo and do the cyber thing, and I'll call you. So anyway, uh, we were talking about the coronavirus and the way uh, people are being being uh, discriminated against because we're taking people that came in from Asia and making them have 14-day uh, uh, quarantines. You know, I'm trying to think. These our astronauts come back from the moon on a on a uh, government mission. And we made them stay in quarantine for several days, too. I wonder if they felt discriminated against. Hey, you know what? You're discriminating on people that go to the moon. I'll tell you that Don and I went on a cruise. Um, we've been on about 20 cruises. But the one of the ones we went down to Ensenada, one of those three-day uh, party cruises, which are not relaxing. Those are just a nonstop party for uh, two and a half days. And uh, you come back more tired than you left. But they are fun. So uh, we came back from uh, that Ensenada thing, and of course uh, we had fun. And uh, I came back. You know, if if you see me on the weekends, I'm usually wearing a tank top unless it's cold, because I got some guns and I like them to breathe. And uh, and I uh, and I'm usually wearing shorts or uh, or a uh, or jeans. So when we packed up our stuff to get off the ship, and I'm and I'm not a very uh, I'm somewhat shaggy. Uh, my wife likes me with long hair and uh, hair on my face, and I look like a uh, rocker. Uh, sometimes more than others. So when uh, when I come across come across out of uh, th- off the ship in through customs, you know I got my guns out. I got a, a straw hat that says Ensenada on it that we bought for eight. Hey, Ensenada hat? How much? Ten bucks? No, uh, I'll give you five bucks. Uh, two for eight dollars. So. Don and I had Ensenada houses, hats, two for eight dollars, and uh, so I got my shaggy hair coming off, my my tank top on, my jeans or or shorts, whatever it was, and we come across, and one of the customs guys goes, uh, "Hey sir, did you find your uh, you find your uh, suitcase?" Yet? And I go, "No, I'm over in this section." He goes, "Here, I'll help you find it." And he goes, "Let's come on over here and let's take a look at this." Meanwhile, my friend Randy, him and his wife come across, and Randy's wearing uh, cowboy boots and uh, polyester slacks and a tucked-in shirt, and his hair's greased back, and he's clean-shaven, except for a mustache. And he walks, walks across, and nobody bothered him. Problem is that Randy had, like, uh, M-80s in his, in his boots and firecrackers around his uh, waistband and probably a whole bunch of illegal kind of fireworks in his suitcase, and they just walked right through. And I asked the customs guy, I "Go, hey, just curious, why'd you pick me?" He goes, "Cause you look like you had the most fun." So, uh, and I go, "Okay, I can see that. I can see that." And I didn't have anything to hide anyway. Um, it was a little bit of an inconvenience because I had to wait there for five or six minutes while he rummaged through my stuff and said, "Man, why don't you wash your clothes?" So anyway, uh, so anyway, my point is, is hey, I understand. This is the this is the look I carry. This is how it is let's ref- let's reflect that on the coronavirus hey you know if you're if you're traveling to china or japan or anywhere over there you have to understand you're going to go through what you go through and it's for the good of the country and you know it's the same way as we talk about uh, mike bloomberg and his stop and frisk hey if you're wearing a, a hoodie and you have your hoodie up in the middle of summer and the cop and the cops come by what do you expect them to think well, you're cold. You, you're cold. It's summertime. It's su- it's hot and it's humid. And you know, even when it's not so cold, even when it's not so hot, you know what? People don't wear, don't wear those and, and keep their head down because it's a fashion statement. It's a, it's a don't look at me, don't see my face kind of thing. So if you dress like that, you expect what you get. So anyway, that's that has to be uh, considered uh, reasonable, and for the life of me, I don't know why Bloomberg's apologizing for it. Because when they when they find people in black neighborhoods with illegal guns, they're saving black people more than they're saving white people. You know what? They're trying to do their job. Well, you know, you're you're frisking black people. You're not you're not frisking white people. Well, I'm sure they are if those white people are in those areas and they look suspicious. I'll tell you, when I get pulled over by the cops, I am the I am the most most polite guy even if i don't even if i think i didn't do what they said i'm still happy and polite and half the time they let me off because i'm so charming hard for you guys to believe but it happens my wife on the other hand she's much better looking than me and she never gets a ticket one time they they caught her for uh, speeding in richie canyon and they gave her a ticket and i think they were just wanting to check out her car cuz she had a brand new uh, cadillac xlr back in 2004 when it was when they were first brand new he gave her a ticket for speeding and the ticket just disappeared we even went down to the court and say uh you have anything we never got a courtesy notice and we don't want to get a warrant i had no record of it i don't know my my thing would have showed up so anyway um that's that's my uh that's my uh that's my take on whether people are discriminated against or they're not so let's talk about uh what else is in the news elon omar Back in the news, Minnesota congressman, uh, back in the news for all the reasons you'd expect. Uh, First, the New York Post reported the FBI is quietly looking into that pesky rumor that Omar married her brother, which he did, which he did. Although the FBI won't confirm the story, the Post reported that two FBI agents held an hours-long meeting in Minnesota in in mid-October. The meeting was reportedly with a concerned party who handed over a trove of documents regarding Omar's 2009 marriage to Ahmed Nursayed Elmi, the British citizen widely believed to be her biological brother, so he could obtain a green card and study in America. The two agents said, they would share the information with the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement and the Department of Education, but supposedly did not commit to opening an investigation. Uh, what about the Attorney General and the Inspector General? I don't know. I think some of this should be there. And just so you, just so you remember the story, just so you remember the story, because I did a, almost a whole show on this. Uh, so Elon Omar's real name is, is uh, Elon, Elon uh, Nur Syed Elmi. Elmi? Yes. Elmi. So Elon, Elon, newer, Syed, Elmi. When we were doing the, uh, the immigration, uh, immigration was had the lottery things where, Hey, we pull your name and you get to, you get to come to America. And, uh, and in addition, you get to bring your extended family. So they got to bring in like 23 people, their extended family. So the, the family of Elon Omar, which is Nur Syed Elmis, uh, paid the Omar family to take her and I think her dad uh, or, uh, or her and her brother to the United States. And they changed their name to be Elon Omar and whatever her brother's name or her dad's name was. And they came over as part of their extended family. Even though that was lying, that was fraud. The other, the rest of the family uh, was sent to uh, for as refugees to England. So, in order to get her brother Ahmed to uh, to United States, um, and so he could stay here and, and study, she married him because now she's an American citizen. So she marries him. That gives him a a ticket in, and it gets him uh, towards his citizenship. So, which to me is fraud. She's sitting in Congress. Why aren't we doing something about that because it's a fact it's not it's not It's not a rumor, okay, so if Omar did marry her brother, she could be found guilty of committing marriage fraud, a felony offense punishable with five years in prison and a 000, fifty thousand fifty thousand dollar two hundred and fifty thousand dollar fine but wait there's more then there's the u k daily interview with a Minnesota man named give me a. give me a shot i 'm gonna take it this is hakim Osman Abde Hakim Osman. He blogs about Somali community in Minneapolis, which, for those of you don't know, uh, back in the uh, back in the Obama days, they thought it was a good idea to take a whole slew of Somali refugees and move them all to the same place so they'd all be together. So there's a big chunk of Minnesota that's that's all Somali people, Islamic his uh, Somali people. Um, Osman knew Omar and her first husband Ahmed Hirsi before she entered politics. He says Omar told friends a year ago. That the man who went on to become her second husband was, in fact, her brother. She said she needed to get papers for her brother to go to school. We all thought she was getting papers to allow him to stay in the country, he said. Keep in mind, Omar and Elmi were married in 2009 by a Christian minister when, she obviously, when she's obviously a devout Muslim. Hmm, Could the reason be that every Muslim imam in Minneapolis knew this guy was her brother? That's exactly what Osman says happened. Omar sought out someone outside the Somali community to conduct a ceremony because an imam would have known they were related and would have refused to marry them. Hmm, this sure makes sense to me. Osman also says that Elmi was a very feminine in the way he dressed. He would wear light lipstick and pink clothes and very, very short shorts in the summertime. People started whispering about him. see and Elon uh, both told me it was Elon's younger brother. He had been living in London, but he was mixing with bad influences, and the family did not like. So they sent him to Minneapolis as rehab. Also, according to Osman, when Hirschey and Elon got married, a lot of people were invited. It was a big Islamic wedding uh, uniting two large clans in the community. When she married Elmi, no one knew even knew about it. No one knew there had been a wedding until uh, the media turned up the certificate years later. And why would they know it's a wedding? Because because uh, Elon Omar and her uh, her real husband uh, Ahmed Hirsi were continued to live together. They continued to file taxes as husband and wife, even after she was uh, married to her brother. Hmm, that's peculiar course, if these were Republican people, they would have had to step down and they'd probably be in jail. Um, so in other words, in other, in another Elon Omar news, just like AOC, she's being challenged for her congressional seat. So the, her, uh, her opponent, Dalia El Akidi, she's a woman, a refugee, and even a Muslim, but she insists her similarities with Elon Omar in there. The former journalist, uh, from Iraq, Now a U.S. citizen announced she will run for Congress as a Republican against Omar. She says, "I've seen up close the consequences of what radical Elon Omar is doing: conflict, division, oppression." Elon Omar is not only for open borders, but she supports those we are fighting against in the Middle East. I love America. Maybe Elon Omar also does, but you wouldn't know it from her public comments. Her constant anti-Semitism—that means anti-Jews—and hateful, which is a which is a common. Islamic thing, uh, and hateful rhetoric are toxic and serve only to gain attention for herself and position herself as a celebrity, which I think is what she wants. She wants everybody to go, Ooh, there's Elon Omar. Let's get a picture of her, her and AOC. She's kind of mad that AOC gets more attention than she does. So she's and AOC is from Puerto Rico. You know, uh, I'm, I'm from a more, uh, I'm from a more, uh, controversial place. I need to be in the news more. More proof that this lady deserves to replace Omar in Congress was on Twitter this week. First, Elon Omar, also known as Elon Nursayed Elmi, uh, she tweeted, I am hijabi, Muslim, black, foreign-born, refugee, Somali. In response, Dalia Al- Al-Akidi, her opponent, tweeted, I am an American. That's why I'm running for Congress. So, hey, I uh, I applaud uh El Akidi. I'm not a fan of uh of uh people from uh Islamic countries, but you know what? If uh if that whole area is is uh Muslims, then we're obviously gonna get someone like that. Let's at least get someone who appreciates being here, that appreciates our culture, that appreciates the country that she came to as opposed to the country she came from. And those are the kind of people that should be in Congress representing that district uh so anyway let's uh let's go on to uh, let's go on to the South Carolina debate If you can call it a debate, Democrats set another dumpster fire this week uh, in South Carolina where the final debate before Super Tuesday took place in Charleston. The first half of the two-hour debate debacle featured a lot of this.
2: If I'm you get sorry, nominated, we'll be relitigating we this
1: all year. Do. And a little bit of this. Do
2: what Senator, I ask, Senator. Look, first of all, first first go. Go. let me
1: go. I think, I think we were right. talking about math, and it oh, doesn't take oh, two hours oh, well, to do the math. Because let's talk about let's what it talk adds about up math. We math. And then a little of this. Question. New, new, new topic. New topic. I don't know where Fogashar. you got the impression. If
2: you could honor the rules of the debate, you but Senator but Sanders, you are allowed a quick response and then we would like to have a candidate. This is moderator, guys. Senator Sanders? Moderator, is my turn. He'd ask respectfully if you would all please try to keep to
1: the time. Yep, a real dumpster fire. A dumpster fire, which is what we call uh, the other word for excrement show which uh, sounds better when you don't say extra um, But the piling on to Mike Bloomberg eased up a little bit this week, with the exception of Elizabeth Warren, who set her, her first attack on Bloomberg by repeating that infamous lie about how she lost her first teaching job yet again. Remember, we've all heard her on tape saying it's because she didn't apply for her emergency teaching credential in time. But she continues to publicly say that she was fired at age 21. Well, you know the story.
2: I was visibly pregnant. The principal... Wished me luck and gave my job to someone else. Pregnancy discrimination, you bet. But I was 21 years old. I didn't have a union to protect me, and I didn't have any federal law on my side. So I packed up my stuff and I went home. Oh, poor baby.
1: I feel so bad. You know, uh, she didn't have a teaching credential, and she didn't apply for. They put her in there because they didn't have anybody else. And then when the 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 school year was up. She hadn't applied for her teaching credentials, so they gave someone with a teaching credential the job. I don't know. It's kind of like when you think about people that were uh, the dreamers, the DACA people, you know, deferred action for uh, childhood arrivals, you know, people that had been here for at least five years and they were this and that. And then five years later when Trump stopped it, well, you know what? You had the you had the legal right to be here for a little while. Why didn't you apply for your for your green card during that time? But apparently they don't care about it because illegal aliens are illegal aliens. Some people uh, like, the, like to like uh, to obey the laws and some people just won't. So when you're uh, when you when you've taken half a million selfies instead of doing your job that we pay you for and you have no delegates to show for it, I guess uh, even lying is uh, is not off, is no longer on the ta- is no longer off the table. So uh, how did this to apply to Bloomberg? Warren somehow managed to make the connection between this and having a boss who tells you to get an abortion.
2: At least I didn't have a boss who said to me, "Kill it," the way that Mayor I Bloomberg never allegedly have said okay. to one of oh, his come on. pregnant employees. People want a chance that. to hear. People want a chance you, to hear Senator. from I, the women who... I never said
1: right? that. You know what? Uh, it's amazing how some people that, abor- uh, that, that support abortion uh, when it's convenient uh, act lily white Christian when it comes, when that's convenient. I don't know. I call it Christians of convenience. Uh, you know, on, you know, I'm Christian on Sunday morning for two weeks for two hours, but the rest of the week I'm a heathen. And, uh, you know, Hey, you know, women should have the right to choose and do that. But you know, all of a sudden my, uh, Bloomberg told one of his, his people to kill it. I can't believe someone would suggest an abortion Anyway, instead of joining Warren in uh, bashing Bloomberg, everyone piled on Bernie because he's the clear front-runner, who's leaving them uh, all in the dust. Imagine spending the better part of 2020 with Bernie Sanders versus Donald Trump. I want to have someone
2: in charge of this ticket who wants to put forward $60 trillion in spending, three times the American economy. I don't think we do. You talk about what we're talking about with Bernie. Bernie, in fact, hasn't passed much of anything. I dug in, I did the work, and then Bernie's team trashed me for it. Uh, Bernie. Bernie. Bernie.
1: Bernie. Bernie Sanders. I'm hearing my name mentioned a little bit tonight. Uh-huh. I, I wonder why. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. And keeping keeping uh, perspective here. Saturday, tomorrow, if you listen to my podcast uh, on uh, Friday nights, if you listen on Saturday, it's today. They're uh, they're having a caucus in. Well, it's not a caucus. It's a it's a primary. So people are voting in South Carolina. Three days later, on Tuesday, is Super Tuesday, where we all get to vote and realize Super Tuesday represents forty percent of everybody in the country. So this is the last chance they have to make an impression before Alabama, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, and Virginia, as well as uh, American Samoa and some other uh, regions that are uh, they get to vote in the primaries but not in the general election, are all going to the polls a week from uh, this coming Tuesday. Okay, if that's what if you're in California, make sure you vote. Make sure you vote. Make sure you vote. And we'll talk about that at the end here. Um, so uh, so everybody's everybody's going after Bernie because if Bernie sweeps Super Tuesday in South Carolina, you can see where our country's going. Well, we'll, we'll see what where the election's going because Trump will just be reelected. So fresh off of his 60 Minutes comments, um uh praising fidel castro bernie has had ample ample opportunities this week to walk those back but instead he doubled down first at a town hall on monday and then on a de- uh, on the debate stage on tuesday what i said is what
2: barack obama said in terms of cuba that Cuba made progress on education. Yes, I think. Really? Really? Yes, Literacy programs no are bad to- when dictatorships, whether it is the Chinese or the Cubans do something good, huh. you acknowledge that. Hi, Mr. But okay. you don't have trade All love letters President- with that.
1: Yeah, but you don't turn our whole uh, society into that because they did one thing. Hey, look, he was really nice. He got it, bought his wife a gift for Valentine's Day. He must be a nice guy. He beats his wife and uh, kicks his kids and and uh, you know keeps the dog out in the freezing cold the rest of the time. But look what he did. He brought his wife flowers on Valentine's Day. Here's Bernie Sanders again.
2: When Fidel Castro first came to power, he initiated a major literacy program. I think he, teaching people to read and write. Is a good thing. I have been extremely consistent and critical of all authoritarian regimes all over the world. Castro. He uh, destroyed freedoms in that country. He played picks winners and losers and killed them and put them in prison forever. You don't give him a pat on the back
1: for anything. You don't give. It's not a quite. Truth is truth. All right. Yeah, and no Democratic debate is free from the topic of race, but the candidates went into overdrive on it in South Carolina. Their comments ranged from pandering to pathetic as they tried to one-up each other for the racial justice warrior of the night.
2: We're in South Carolina. It's the first primary with a significant black voting population. I've, I've earned the vote. I've worked like the devil to earn the vote of the African-American community. You've certainly had your issues with the black community as well. Do you think the New York City's implementation of stop and frisk was racist? Yes, in effect it was. We let it get out of control. And uh, when I realized that, I cut it back by 95%. I've been coming here for years and years, creating jobs here and I've apologized and asked for forgiveness. The people know me. My entire career has been wrapped up in dealing with civil rights and civil liberties. I've met with black leaders to try to get an understanding of how I can better position myself and what I should have done and what I should do next time. Little. And I'm, I'm not here to score points. I come at this with a great deal of humility because we have had a lot of issues, especially when it comes to racial justice and policing in my own community. We've improved the school system for black and brown uh, 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 students in new york city i intend to win south carolina and i will win the african-american vote here in south carolina and i come to this with some humility because i'm conscious of the fact that there's seven white people on this stage talking about racial justice none of us none of us have the experience the lived experience I'm looking forward to making sure there's a black woman on the Supreme Court to make sure not a joke
1: not a joke again this is all pandering hey Tuesday is, is voting day if you're Republican and you say we do not have to worry about it Trump's the only guy that has a chance get out there and vote for the propositions proposition 13 vote no keep our property taxes down vote for Trump if you're in San Bernardino Rialto, North Fontana uh, Loma Linda Agnes Gibney should be our new uh, congressperson there. Asia Smith, if you're in Riverside, Moreno Valley, Paris. Uh, and uh, don't forget Ali Mazzari uh, for the 30, uh, 61st District uh, of the Assembly. And uh, you guys have a great weekend. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. I'll be back again with you next week. The opinions expressed
2: do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. ID number 1012658, Arizona MLO license number 0926439, branch NMLS ID number 1841782, summit funding incorporated NMLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number 0925837, equal housing opportunity.